Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Today, Pastor Jim speaks from the heart about how much he loves the church, how important it is that the church is in constant pursuit of God, and how important it is that you are in constant pursuit of God in your daily walk. He warns against the dangers of this thing called compromise, and how it can corrupt and infect even a healthy church. There is a time and a place for compromise, empathy, and grace. But as Pastor Jim says, that when compromise becomes the theme of the church, then it has failed. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelations chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Poison of Compromise. In Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council met on circumcision and they sent out a letter to all the churches, and this is what they include in this. Don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Again, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul dealt extensively with this. Why? Because it was a real problem for them. And now, decades later, it still is, because 1 Corinthians was written many years before Revelation was, and in many ways, today it still is. You're like, no, we don't sacrifice meat to idols. Oh, it, it just looks different, but the results are the same. The Corinthians had their excuses, as does today's theologically and morally compromised church. And I'm telling you, when I mention it, those of you who have heard this stuff, you come out of the woodwork and you're like, you can't believe all the stuff we're hearing. Like my friend told me this, I, didn't, I, I thought they were kidding me. But this stuff that's going on. I mean, a guy came to me recently and or called me recently and he told me about this church he was going to. He used to go here and he was like, it was like a club. And I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, it was like a club. And so where there's smoke, there is fire. And where when the theology is off, other things often are, including sexual immorality. So in Satan's city, his servants will come into the church. At the very least, somehow his teaching will get into the church as it comes in via the hearts of compromised people. They will wear you down, or the media will wear you down, or some other way if we are not strong in the Lord. All right, now I got to get on the soapbox just for a couple minutes. It's been a while since I've been on the soapbox but I'm going to get on for a couple of minutes. The internet has a lot of wonderful things about it. A lot of wonderful, you can find a lot of information. Those of us who study the Bible or write messages, we used to use this thing called the Strong's Concordance, to try, we're like, which we couldn't think of. A, we knew a verse, and we're like, oh, where is that? And you look it up. Now you just Google it, <laughs> and there it is. So there's a lot of things that are good on the internet but there's a lot of really bad things on the internet. If I had to make a choice, I think I'd rather live without it because I'm exposed, as a pastor, I'm exposed to a lot of the bad. For example, the internet has produced a ton of pornography addicts. It's staggering how many. The target audience is middle school boys. If they can get you then, they can get you whenever. And, and where, where is the internet? Right on your hip, right in your pocket, right? It's right there. 
It's right there. That's all, that's all it takes. And that produces a number of other issues. Many sociologists and psychologists have tied social media for being responsible with the tremendous changes in sexuality in today's young people. It's just absolutely, the, the numbers are staggering. By some estimates that a different sexuality than most of older people grew up with, which was probably less than a percent of the population, may be as high as 20 or 25% in those that are, let's say, under 20. Brown University, poll 40%, 40%. And so the internet, um, social media really responsible for that. Now, some of you might say, Pastor Jim, you're not sounding very tolerant of this. I get to see so many of the broken lives. I get to talk to so many of the people who are just confused and their parents and their family members. And I want to be one million percent clear on this. So I don't want anybody to ever mistake me on this. I love those people. I love them. There are people watching online right now that will not come into this church anymore because of some choices that they've made or some choices that their kids have made or something like that. And I want you to know when you come back here, nobody will be happier to see me than me, see you than me. Because I love you, and I love your kids, and I love them all. But I hate, I hate the people who are making money off of this stuff. I hate the people who are politicizing this stuff. And I hate the people who are doing things to some of these people. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm not going to say I hate the people, but I hate what they're doing. Now you say, that doesn't sound very Christian, Pastor Jim. Here Jesus, when he came into this church, and he watched what was going on in this culture, verse 15, Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Because I hate this stuff. There's a whole crowd of people. It's not such a big deal. Right? You can picture them in the church going, oh, it's not a big deal. What does Jesus say? I hate this stuff. I hate them bringing this stuff into my church. I hate them bringing this stuff into this world. A church poisoned with compromise is not really a church. Now, there's all compromise in all of our lives in some ways, but, but if that's the theme of the church or that's what they're about, they're not a church. False teachers hiding behind the grace of God needed to be booted out. But they're not. They're often applauded. Jesus says, don't embrace them. Resist them. You know, it's interesting. We're never told what the Nicolaitans do. And I thank God for stuff like that. Like, why doesn't he tell us what they do? I th I'm thankful for that. 
because then we know we just kind of look at the results of what they do. And those guys always seem to be attached to some sort of compromise. They always seem to be attached to some sort of stumbling block, some sort of misleading people. They are the people and the churches, yes, the churches, that influence Christians to compromise their allegiance to God. They tout Christian liberty and freedom without absolutely any understanding of what that even means. They don't even know what that means. Sadly, many consider Pergamos and next week's church, Thyatira, now none of you are going to come back next week. A lot of people say, well, these churches have very little relevance to what's going on today. I could not disagree more especially for our young people. Seriously, those of you who are older, why don't you just, in the cafe after service, instead of sitting with your, your old friends, why don't you go sit with some of the young people? And why don't you ask them about some of the compromise that, expect, that is expected of them today? Why don't you ask them about some of the pressures that's on them today? Instead of pretending like, oh, this stuff doesn't exist. You know, there's a lot of stuff that just goes on that's just absolutely crazy. Loved ones, and maybe if you're younger, you don't understand this because people don't talk about it much. The biblical sexual ethics are a testimony of your worth to God. It is one person who commits their life to another person. That's what that is. Just like Jesus Christ committed his life to you. It's a picture of Christ and his church. Yet Jesus, interestingly enough, constantly hung out with people who failed in this area. And the religious leaders, they were snarky. They had criticisms of Jesus. There will always be criticism from the outside. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Let them critique. Let them. Why did Jesus hang out with people who failed in this area? To cleanse them and to give them new life in Christ. Why should any of us, why, you say, well, why would you welcome people into our church that are not like we are? Because that's who we used to be or that's who we are without Jesus. And the sooner we're all willing to admit it, and if we're on a self-righteous stool, it's only a matter of time before God kicks it out from under you. Always remember, when you doubt it, you have tremendous value to God. And so do those people. He gave his son for the sins of the world so people could be cleansed so people could have a new life. And maybe that's for some of you today. I don't know, but I know it's available to you. It is so important that we are influencing the world with kingdom values and not embracing the world's values when they are in conflict. You see, when we embrace worldly values over kingdom values, 
we lose what makes us the distinct citizens of heaven. Too often we try to show people we're just like them. And in many ways we are, but in many ways we should be different. Very different. Very, very different. And we are not people that go around like the rest of the people in this world making fun of every little thing. We are to be like Jesus, filled with compassion. Seeing people as sheep without a shepherd. Maybe you need to go up to the mall and see all those kids hanging outside the mall with nothing else to do. High as a kite, most of them. And be reminded of what Jesus rescued you from. And not be a critical person. Oh, these kids. Let your heart break for them. That's what happened with Jesus. Jesus would have been in the parking lot crying. But everybody sober for two weeks, they think, oh, I got it. I got it. These people are just giving in. This church had become, inside the walls of their church, they had become too open-minded, too progressive, and too tolerant of professing Christians in their church. Big difference between non-believing people and professing Christians. And these people that were in their church were leading people astray. They were stumbling people. And today in America, do you know where the biggest stumblers are? In the pulpits. That's where they are. That's where they are. The problem is this. We all have to see this. The problem was not that their church was in Pergamum. That's not the problem. The problem was too much Pergamum was in the church. That was the problem. And Jesus doesn't blame the world. Our problem is not that we live in the United States. Our problem is not that we live in New Jersey. Our problem is too much of the values of the world are in God's people, and we don't have anything to export to other people. That's something that's different. The problem is the more influence the world has on the church, the less influence the church has on the world. There's an old expression, a dead fish can't swim upstream. And if we're going to make a difference in this world, there are going to be times when God's going to call us to swim upstream. But if our faith is dead, we're just going to drift down. We're not going to be able to do it. It's important to see that compromise doesn't generally just come. It often just sneaks up on us. We slowly move away from the standards that we once held. And this is the way people excuse it. Oh, I'm just being loving. I'm just being loving. But compromise is a falling away from the way of Jesus. That takes us to number four, the correction. How do we correct this? One word, beginning of verse 16, repent. That's it. That's it. One word, repent. Now, that's not a very popular word in today's church today. Today's church is more like pep rallies than anything else. We love Jesus. He's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. (laughs) I mean, what is this? What is this? 
Now they say, well, Jesus is all about grace. I agree. Not compromise, though. One word, repent. See, a lot of people, when you hear that word, you only just think that all Jesus is saying is, I did wrong. You see, when Jesus says, repent, it's not that he's given up on you. It's that he wants you to return to him. Can I say that again? It's not that Jesus has given up on you. It's he wants you to return to him or he wants you to come to him. To repent is to change your mind about sin. It is to change your conduct and turn back to God for the forgiveness of sins. So it's important to see what's going on when you hear that word repent. Jesus is extending an invitation to you and to me to come back to him or to come to him for the first time. Think of repent as turning around, turning from your, you're going your own way and you're turning around and turning to God. Yet what follows shows there's a sense of urgency about it. This is a thing that always puzzles me. We live in a world where everybody's in such a hurry, right? Yet when a sense of urgency is need, what are we? The world's biggest procrastinators. Don't delay. Because if you delay in repenting, you know what you often will do? You'll talk yourself out of it. You'll talk yourself out of it. Well, that's the correction. Now we come to the consequences. There's usually a negative and a positive. He starts with the negative. He continues verse 16, and it's very serious. After he says repent, he says, or else I will come to you quickly and I will fight against them. Who? The people in the church that are putting the stumbling blocks in front of other people. With the sword of my mouth. Now, here again, he mentions the sword. When the Lord repeats himself, what should we do? Take very careful notice. Jesus will fight against those who poisoned the church that he died for. You parents know this. Somebody messes with your kids, you want to kill that kid. You've heard me say this before. I had to have this one time with Pam. Some kid hit one of our kids. She was like, I'm going to go kill that kid. I'm like, he's in kindergarten. You can't do that. (laughs) Right? You can't do that. Right? But he was after that. When he says, with the sword of my mouth, what does he mean? I'm going to speak judgment against those who fail to repent. I don't think this is the second coming. It could be tied with it, but I think this is this, I might do it in this life. And you know what? (laughs) The one thing the internet's done, it has revealed scandal after scandal after scandal in the church. And God is like, you know what? I got to do some house cleaning. You want to have the internet? Okay, that's all right. I'm going to do some house cleaning. And the Lord's cleaning up a lot of places. Now, some of you might say this to me. I can already save the emails, save myself a bunch of emails this week. This is not my Jesus. You could just hear it already. Or you're just very uncomfortable with this. That's not the point. The point is that we should be uncomfortable with compromise. We should be filtering through our lives and thinking through what things are compromised. You watch something on television, and all of a sudden, something pops up. This is what Pam and I do. Click. Done. That's it. We're not going to watch it. You know, there's descriptions. You can't go by anything. They're just like, you know, like they put all the bad stuff that's up there, but they leave a lot of stuff out. They're like, smoking. 
right? Like, this, oh, there's smoking in this. And then the first scene, you're like, what? <laughs> you turn it off. And then you read reviews on it. Nobody mentions any of that stuff. So we should be more uncomfortable with compromise. For those who mislead Jesus' church, they should be terrified. But you know, they rarely are because they're enemies of the kingdom of God. And the truth of the matter is this, is that pulpits that are not teaching people with the full counsel of God are not loving their congregations. That's what the Apostle Paul called. He said, I didn't neglect to give you the full counsel of God. If I don't give you this stuff, okay, you might think, oh, last week, Pastor Jim, it was so encouraging. Thank you so much. And then if I'm like, yeah, let's skip Pergamos. You know what that means? I don't love you. That's what that means. I don't love you. And some of you might be like, I don't need to hear any of this stuff. I'm not coming back. You know what? When you do, I will love you. And nobody will be happier to see you come back in the door than me. Seriously. But Jesus tells us this stuff because he loves us. So lovingly, does Jesus talk to us? Yes. Firmly? Yes. Honestly? Yes. How else are we going to see our need for a Savior in the cross of Christ? If he doesn't tell us the hard stuff, we're going to think everything's fine. Everything's fine. Now the positive consequence, verse 17. He, some versions say anyone who has an ear to hear or to listen, what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, some of you say who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, the manna, the food in the wilderness with Moses. So Jesus says, if you overcome this, I will feed you, I will protect you, I will provide for you. Now, in the early church, this was tied to eternal life. And he goes on, and I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, now, there are so many explanations of what this white stone is. I won't go into them. But some seems to be some sort of invitation to heaven. A new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. In other words, it will be personalized, but just for you. There are great promises in the Bible for those who say no to the gods who try and steal our love and devotion to God daily. The American gods are not, it's the same gods that are at the head at the temples, it's just that we don't have temples to them, they're idols, what we call idols of the heart, of, of money and materialism and success and comfort, pleasure, sexuality, etc., Ultimately, all of those identities will fail. They won't last. They won't last. And they certainly cannot beat death. Instead, we are called to the future that the Lord has for us, which influences how we live today. Clearly, Jesus despises compromise. And he calls for commitment. Now, you might say right now, before you leave here today, I am very compromised. I am very compromised. And I can't see any way I can quit my compromise. And I wish that I had some proven thing for you, but I can tell you the only way I know. This is the only way I know. You remember the sword? The five-foot-long sword of judgment? The only way I know to get out of compromise is to see Jesus taking the sword of judgment on the cross for me. 
That is the only way that I know how. To see Jesus taking the sort of compromise, the sort of judgment for all of our compromise, no matter what it is or how difficult it is, and then we respond by repenting, by turning to God and putting our trust in Jesus. And that provides for you the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, a white stone for people who probably carried black stones throughout their lives. And you're given a new name and a fresh start. That's the antidote to the poison of compromise. It's the receiving of the love of Jesus and living out your new identity, an eternal identity, a glorious identity that will take you all the way to Jesus and all the way forever. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.